ground today takes everything you got. Taking a break from brown girl worries, let's all drink up a shot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Grab your phone and download the Fudge Up podcast right away. So they keep us entertained. You want to be where you can see. Problemas are all the same. Assimilation where butchers put all the blame. You want to be where you can see. Problemas are all the same. Assimilation where porches put all the blame. Bienvenidos a La Pocha Podcast at the corner of Brown Pride and Assimilation en la esquina de Orgullo Latine y Asimilación. Whoa, Soy Kat. Kat. I'm Charlene and you have been practicando tu español. My mom asked why we don't, don't do the podcast in Spanish. And of course my answer is because I code switch whenever I speak, hence Bocha in the name of the podcast. Porque se llama Bocha Podcast. Yeah, no. I am not a fluent speaker. I'm a fluent understanderer. Mm-hmm. And but that's where we're at. Leti, we will work on it for 2032. Oh, I like that. Give okay. us some time. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Ten years to be fluent. I see. So we are fluently... In episodio 38. I know. I can't wait till we get to our age in episodes. <laughs> Is that a thing? Um, it will I mean, be. It will be. Okay. So this is episodio 38, and this month typically starts the season of road trips and vacays. I say typically because, you know, gas. Oh, it's summer. It's hot as hell. Yes. And my, I don't know about your car, because I know you have an SUV, but my car is a late model sedan, (laughs) which can hold like two bodies in the trunk, but it holds my whole paycheck in the tank. Yeah. I can hold about 42 soccer kids and like their luggage. And so I'm sure that that takes a, a bit out of your pocketbook whenever you have to fill up. Yeah. Fortunately, I don't really go to a lot of places because I hate people. So, um... Gas is at a minimum right now. Oh, knock wood. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Well, I mean, d- now that the COVID situation is, you know, the restrictions are low. And yeah. even without, even with the gas prices as they are, mm-hmm. like I anticipate that people are going to go road tripping. Well, for sure. I mean, even I've been to the office more. I mm-hmm. told you mm-hmm. I'm making it a personal goal to get out of my comfort zone a lot more because I completely have cocooned and my anxiety loves it. And it got to a dangerous point. So I'm trying to break back out of that, mm-hmm. get back into life and the world. And uh, that means driving and spending gas money. And just looking at my schedule, like entertainment-wise and whatnot, like going up to Albuquerque for Pride, doing this, that, and the next, like road mm. trips are just in the future. It's in the future. It's and, happening. We're back out. And it reminded me, I don't know if it reminds you, of road trips that we took with our families back in the oh, day. Oh, that's one of the things we're going to talk about today, Kat. What are we talking about today, Kat? So part one is road tripping. Mm-hmm. And we'll also get into tattoos. And the last thing for Arqueada de Nuevo, I know, it's been in the news, it's been over and over again, but we're going to look specifically at 
that intersection of Latine and abortion access. It's a whole thing, Kat. It's a whole thing. Okay. So no spoiler alert, no. alert, but if you haven't listened to any episodes before, you don't know where we stand, well, you can You're about to find scroll, out. scroll to the next. Keep moving. Right. So, but stick around because uh, at the very least the road tripping and the tattoos might be intriguing enough to keep you through. Agreed. So road tripping. What do you, <laughs> like what that brings to mind for me is sticking like all 50 of your primas or primos into a vehicle or several vehicles right and the heat because back then what air conditioner air conditioner was going 55 with the windows rolled down we didn't even have the luxury of doing 75 Mm. it was just hot sweaty in a vehicle squished someone's always falling asleep and you push that person over from one to another and it's usually like one of the younger ones who eventually falls on someone's lap like that's what it reminds me of dude amen that was my entire childhood (laughs) There was no, like, we're flying first class to Hawaii. No. Nobody was flying a goddamn place. Mm. We were driving to wherever you had primos that lived that might have, like, three inches of space for the rest of you to sleep. Mm -hmm. That's where we're all going. We're piling in the Astro van with the mini blinds, and we're calling it a day. Like, that's what we did. No, same. And that's what other family did, like family who was from oh, yeah. Oaxaca. They came up and, you know, there was like six people in one twin bed. Like you just oh, dealt. Yeah. You dealt. Like you just dealt with it. And there was enough food and there was space and you made do, period. Absolutely. I had a ton of family who lived in East L.A. Mm. as a kid. And a lot of my tios worked for California Water and Power. And for whatever reason, their job would give them extra tickets to Disney. Ooh. Which, to a New Mexican kid, is like the golden ticket, right? You might as well be fucking Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Right. So we would load up the van, seriously, the van. And, I mean, my feels, like, I had had my my eldest uncle, um, they had the big van, like the creeper van with the mini blinds and the VHS in the van. Shut up. Oh, yeah. No, we were highballing. And... There was, <laughs> I seriously because shit blends right as you get older yeah all the road trips come together I don't one. know if this was one trip or two trips but a trip possibly multiple trips one of my cousins who was like my brother because he's closest in age to me and he's like primo hermano right like we're mm-hmm. first cousins but also he was like my brother got into collecting baseball cards so we get in the van and like three minutes in and I'm older than him I'm like two years older than him two minutes and he's like guess what i'm like what he's like i brought all my baseball cards so we can organize them in these plastic slots and i'm like oh my god you were free labor (laughs) we are not fucking doing this for the next nine hours have you lost your goddamn mind no this was definitely two trips because then we arrive in california and I mean, this is not GPS. This is not your Google map, Waze, whatever, right? Like, we're not doing that shit. Mm-hmm. This is somebody drew you Thomas a map, guide. gave you the instructions on the tele, like you're just going by. Mira, pases dos KFCs y no, después. Dude, mm-hmm. No. So my uncle, who is absolutely, swear to God, the most patient man I've ever known in my entire life, except my grandfather. He totally inherited the pa- the most patient attitude character whatever you want to say in a human 
we had to pull over to a payphone because that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Get to the payphone. He's like, I'm going to have to call Tia Emilia because I don't know where we are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's asking my other Tia that's in the car, like, what's the number? A ver. Um, okay. <laughs> dos, tres, tres, cinco, do- No, 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 no. Okay, tres, dos, tres. Dude, this went on for a good 10 minutes before my uncle was like asking my grandpa, like, dad, what's the number? Okay, she's obviously not remembering. What's the number? My grandpa's like digging through his wallet for a little tiny piece of folded up paper, right? Like, Mm -hmm. on. No, creo que este es el número de tu tía Lupe, whatever. He's looking. He's like, okay, gives my uncle the number. That's not the number. Nobody's (laughs) answering. Nobody's answering this number. This goes on for half an hour before finally he calls a number. We get in. We get to the place. It was a fucking train wreck. I've never seen my uncle mad like this. <laughs> another trip. This was another trip. So now my primo hermano, the one that I'm saying is my brother, right? Mm-hmm. His little brother now, who's like seven or eight years younger than him, ends up, of course, he's coming with us. The parents are not coming. The grandparents are taking the two boys on the trip with me and my parents and my sister. We're in the car. We're going, my aunt, guys, okay, well, we might have to stop because um, your cousin has diarrhea. <laughs> oh, shit. They literally pull into, like, the Walmart or Target, whatever the fuck it is, and get one of those baby toilets to put in the back of the van. No. I'm not kidding. No. So that no. we don't have to stop because <laughs> no. my uncle doesn't want it to take longer. No. <laughs> Not kidding. So we're like, you know, trying to like, oh, here's my Mickey Mantle in the back of the, in the, back of the damn van in the baby toilet. Oh my God, why? Wow. Wow. So let's please talk about road trips. <laughs> please. Because I hope, I hope to God that someone else has these stories. Oh, the stories that I have heard from my family are hilarious oh, comedy, especially from one of my tios, Uncle David. He is the storyteller, so mm-hmm. I can't do any of them justice, but I do remember him talking about having to go. So when my eldest uncle had married, um, he was a Marine, so he married uh, a, like his Marine sergeant or whatever. Like oh, okay. He married his, his sergeant or whatever's daughter. Oh. And this was out in, in San Diego and whatnot. Mm. So they had to take trips out there to go to the boda and everything. And, you know, nine kids. So obviously not my Uncle Francisco, but so eight kids later having to take these (laughs) cross-country tours. So those stories are hilarious. But for me, the ones that I remember the most are like, um, my grandmother loved camionetas, uh, station wagons. And I actually had to sit there and think about what that word was because I only knew it in Spanish, camioneta. Mm -hmm. So she had a love for camionetas, right? Like, if you are of the age, you remember sure. these like faux wood panels. Oh, yeah. It's a Brady Bunch yeah. dream. Uh, so there's the front seat, there's the middle seat, and then there's the back that kind of like, it can be a seat, but you can also like fold it down so you lay down kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it faces the back. Right? And it faces the back. Right. If you if you sit up in the back mm-hmm. seat, yeah, it faces the back. So my grandmother mm-hmm. was, oh, in her prime, she would have been a good like 5'4", maybe. Mm-hmm. By the time she got older, you know, gravity sure. sucks you down into the earth. And oh, so she had to have been a good, mm-hmm. yeah, like a five or four, nine, you know, somewhere. Sure. 
in in any normal vehicle, <laughs> she is that typical grandma where you see knuckles in the top of a head, right? Mm-hmm. So we are driving from West Texas, Southern New Mexico, all the way to Carlsbad, as one big clan, one big you know family group, and she is driving one of the several vehicles. She's driving. She's driving one of mm-hmm. the several vehicles in her in her camioneta, right? Mm-hmm. So naturally, this woman of all all of us sprightly you know five foot maybe at most in heels whatever and we're happy to be in the car with her such that though she can't see out the rear view mirror if we're sitting up so me and several cousins no me my sister and several cousins are in the back part of the camioneta having to lie down the entire way over <laughs> So she could see. So she could see out the back one. <laughs> and the entire way back. And we just have to entertain ourselves mm-hmm. looking up at the ceiling, mm-hmm. the interior of this station wagon for however many hours doing 55 so or whatever it was. So she could see there. So and you back. wouldn't die. So we all would not <laughs> die in that vehicle. I love it though. Like, I really, honestly, uh, not that long ago, we took our daughter on a super impromptu trip to disney Mm -hmm. and we got the like fast pass disney genie magic whatever the fuck right Mm -hmm. so you can speed to the front of the lines i had never seen this before but i'm like cool another 50 bucks okay great like this feels worth it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to not stand in line for three hours with a seven-year-old i'm i'm in for this right Mm mm-hmm we're standing in line at one point i turned to my husband and i'm like this is pathetic we used to hear from our parents like there are starving children in guatemala and all this shit and now we're like do you know that children had to wait two and a half hours to get on this line and you only had to wait seven minutes like is this what we have come to as humans yes exactly they will never understand this Mm-mm. our children will never understand the baby potty in the back of the van or the laying down so that you don't die <laughs> in the camioneta. They will never know this. Never. Never. And what is what have we robbed them of? Uh, I mean, but what have we gained them in other experiences? I don't know. Because that <laughs> we'll feels find like out in 20 I have a lot more character at this point <laughs> than my own child. There was this other road trip that it was just my mom, my father and mother were m- married at, the, at this time and we had gone, it was uh, in early spring. It had to have been spring break because my father was a teacher. And we were going up to Santa Fe, and then we were doing a hard right over to Chinle, Arizona. Chinle. Um, so there we are. And, and this isn't a truck. This isn't in a luxury vehicle. This is in one of them old school, you know, Ford or Chevy. I can't even remember. But mm. it was a single cab up front, bed with a camper in the back. And as you know, Charlene, and some of our listeners who are in the land of enchantment, even during spring break, Santa Fe is still freaking cold. Sure. So compared my, to compared to El Paso, <laughs> yes. So my sister and I are in the bed of the truck, essentially, mm-hmm. and um, there's no heater back there, right? At all, right? So my parents are in the front. There is no way to get the heat from the cab to the back. Nor communication between. (laughs) At all. So my sister and I, instead of having any kind of heater, they just put in a whole bunch of 
cobijas back oh, yeah. there. Mm-hmm. So we are traveling in Santa Fe, like four cobijas deep with just our eyes showing. Because when you pop your under mm-hmm. you pop your head out, and all you can see is the smoke from your mouth. <laughs> and we're just trying our best to stay like to to not freeze essentially yeah, not going to Santa Fe and so we get to destination and we oh are just God. so incredibly cold that we can't even have a good time because we were just in the back of a truck for essentially 5 hours going up in a north, tin can in a tin can mm-hmm. and then you know taking a strong left-hand turn to go to Arizona and in northern Arizona where Chinle is also still very cold <laughs> that was one of the coldest trips I've ever taken in my life. <laughs> we were wearing socks on our hands. We were like double jackets, everything. Yeah. It was just cold ass in there. I, that just brought up for me, and I don't know why, but fast forward several years from the previous trip I talked about, um, my aunt and uncle, the same ones with the VHS van, because mm-hmm. it's my eldest uncle, right? And so they are, they're, they're the ones leading the way for the family. Um, they have moved so far up on the assimilation chain that they now have a timeshare, which Ooh. is basically the epitome of assimilation. Right. Right. At this point in the eighties. So they have a timeshare and they were trying to go to San Antonio with us, with all the kids. Um, cause you know, SeaWorld and Fiesta and Six Flags and all the things. Mm-hmm. Super fun. All the timeshares were sold out. No. For San Antonio. But they got this super great deal on a smaller suburb called Bandera. To which they had the whole pamphlets and the like fold out. Like people at this point are mailing you things. It's not like mm-hmm, you're going mm-hmm. online to find descriptions of places, right? You Like they mail you the pamphlet. Mm-hmm. So they had the whole fold out pamphlet. And it was like there's horses and there's this beautiful Olympic sized pool. And there's like all the things. We're like, oh, hell yeah. We're going to this place. Right. That sounds great. That's beautiful. Whole family packed up in the van again. Now it's a caravan because there's several members of the family that are going. We all get there. Roll up. <laughs> it's the middle of summer. Uh, it's very dry. In oh, Bandera, Texas. In Bandera, Texas. Um, we get out of the car and they're like, oh yeah, welcome. Like here, we see the horse stables, but there's no horses. And my cousin, my primo hermano is like, Where, where's the horses? I'm like, oh, they died. Oh my God. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, where's the pool? Oh, the pool's over there. We go over there. I'm, this is promising, right? The pool's full. It looks lovely. Great. Get in the room, get changed, do all the things. I don't remember if it was that same day that we went to the pool, possibly the next day, but either way, we go to the pool. There is a giant turd floating in the pool, <laughs> and it is human turd. I'm seeing a theme with your, with your road trips. No, it's all poop involved, <laughs> which makes me feel like a seven-year-old boy talking about this. It is poop involved. There's a there's a turd floating, and my cousin's like, it's a snicker. Like, it's just so, it's a whole thing. Where they're like, just get it out. There's chlorine. It's fine. It's fine. We're like, it's not fine. This is not, I mean, we're little, and we're like, this is not okay. Later that night, or maybe it was the night before. I don't know, because it's all a blur again. 
all the dads, right? The the grandpas, my tios, my dad are on this little balcony area of this timeshare condo type of thing, right? There are scorpions oh, on the walls no. and the ceiling. And instead of making it like a, this is a dangerous fucking thing. Like they did not go all Karen on this episode. <laughs> they instead open more beer <laughs> and decide to start betting money on who can hit the scorpions with rubber bands. So it becomes a whole game. And the only one with any sanity at all is my cousin, Michelle, who's like my first cousin, who's older than me, but not like, I mean, maybe 10 or 12 years older than me, right? Okay. Uh She is like wrapping our trundle bed in saran wrap (laughs) and like slippery things so that scorpions will not crawl up in the middle of the night and kill us, like kill the children. That is her MO at this point. Because the grown-ups are drinking beer and playing gambling games with scorpions on the ceiling. They were hoping that it would take one of the children away. They were like, let's aggravate all of the let's scorpions piss them to off. see which, which child <laughs> we get to leave in Bandera. Who's the weakest link? That was the exactly. real pool, I feel like, at that point. You survived. I mean, you we, know, we there all you, did, there you fortunately. Go. But with a great memory. Why, why were these things so much more dangerous? Like, what, what was... What was going through these adults' head? So, so uh, one of our uncles, he owns a business where they have, again, a van. But the work van, there's no seats in it. There's, mm, like, the, right. the, pass- there's the mm-hmm. passenger and there's the driver. Mm-hmm. And then there's no seats in it. Mm-hmm. So when they picked up the whole family, oh, and, yes, there is a tank in the uh, inside the van itself <laughs> that holds extra gas so that they, they can go and deliver things long, like, you know, to other places and you don't have to fill up 50 million times sure so yes we are in a vehicle that has a whole extra gas tank inside and he you know he wanted to make some of the trips fun so when he would see a dip he would like take that fucker go on 50 or whatever and children would be flying (laughs) in the back (laughs) like if you did not hang on Mm-hmm. You would literally fly from one part of the van to the other. Mm-hmm. Those of us who were sitting on the on the tank could hear all the gasoline and like whoosh, whoosh, oh, yeah. going from one side to another. Like if we got in an accident, or it would be gone. a ball Done. of fire. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Why didn't? Okay. Which now you think about like safety and people mm-hmm. shaming other parents, even on a video where they're just like oh look at my cute kids they're not buckled right the seatbelt is not at this particular angle bro right if there were cameras in the vehicles when oh we were my god up. it would have been a train wreck and it and i really don't feel like it was, i mean again there's a different mindset as an adult now compared to the age i was when it happened but i don't feel like they were being completely irresponsible or no. like trying to put us in danger it was just fun it was a different time people the safety issue the safety concerns were a completely different thing than what we understand to be safe now or good parenting like all of these things were so different because it was so much that you had worked hard enough to be able to take your familia on a vacation Mm -hmm. like you were the number one that was beyond any expectation that was ever put on the parents that came before you, or the generations that came before you. So this was like, you were winning already. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, absolutely. And if you're listening to us, you are winning because this is a Bocha podcast at that <laughs> intersection of Ram Pride and Assimilation. And this is Episodio 38. And so road trips for us in a certain generation are a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. Another rite of passage of a sort is tattoos. Oh, cat. Oh, yes. And I'm a fan. If you've watched or if you've seen any of our Instagram pages, you know that I've got tattoos on my forearm, forearms. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are not the first ones I, I have collected in my life. Um, but what brought this, like we had talked about wanting to do tattoo as a, as a topic for a while. And when we were talking about what we would do for this episode, I was like, you know, what happened recently was our twins turned 18 and they got tattoos with um, Bio Mama, the, the executive producer. Mm-hmm. And so that to me brought it back up as like a rite of passage of like tattoos. And there's a, you know, stigma around them that still kind of lingers, even though more people have them. Mm-hmm. Um but we were looking at and thinking about the added stigma for Latinos in, in um, who get tattoos, right? Yeah, for sure. But let's back it up. Like, sure. what did that feel like in your household? So now you have 18-year-olds are graduating from high school. Um, you have been step-parenting these girls for however many years. Obviously, their mama has been in their life and very, very involved since the minute she was pregnant. So... They're getting tattoos. Like, what does that feel like in your house? I mean, again, just like with the weed, uh, weedy weedy last month, it would be, a, I would be a hypocrite if I would have been like, no, you can't. Right. Um, so, and, and I enjoy them. I like tattoos as art. Mm-hmm. I really do. I'm not thrilled with the pain that comes with them, but mm. I love tattoos as art. Mm-hmm. And for me, the philosophy is like, you're 18. And even before then, if you had, you know, parental permission like go for it but Mm. be prepared long run that if this is something that you enjoy because this particular first tattoo was a was their birthday gift sure so if this is something that you enjoy long term or long run that's an expensive habit to get into these are not cheap by any means especially if you shouldn't be yeah no if if this (laughs) is not bargain shop for a tattoo if this is johnny around the corner who's giving Mm. a five dollar tattoo just say no yeah um so it can be an expensive tattoo, especially if you're going for quality, because there are some terrible tattoos out in this world. Sure. I mean, they've made several different oh, shows on TV Lord about mercy, yes. tattoos that need to get covered up. But um, yeah, so I actually was excited for them because mm. I love art. I love what they got. It was a very loving and thematic um, set because it was like mom and kids kind mm-hmm. of thematic set. Um, and and I kind of snickered at first because I was like, which one of y'all is going to cry? But it was so small that ne- none of them, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say none, the executive producer has a few tattoos. Like She doesn't cry. <laughs> I but, mean, she's fine. <laughs> but, the, but the twins didn't. And I was like, all right, impressive. You know, yeah. impressive. So what about you? What if like your 18-year-old who's about to graduate is like, you know what? I want a tattoo that says... Johnny Dingo I don't know so I wish that I was of the progressive mindset and could sink into like you do you this is your personal expression and it's all about you and whatever you want to do um I still have the voice in the back of my head that is very much my mother and probably my father who do not have two tattoos and would never Mm -hmm. that is like this is 
stigmatized you will already have a difficulty getting a job you will already not be taken seriously do not add to this perpetuation and stereotype that you are not someone who is of an elite status Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because a tattoo takes away from that right so having my very very white stepson Mm -hmm. very white very blonde um it's different for him oh yeah absolutely and still i would say like if you want a neck tattoo a head tattoo a forearm tattoo uh like there are some considerations not everyone is just going to be like oh that's great it's self-expression not everyone's going to feel that way and you have to be ready for that whatever that means i'm not saying that's right or wrong but it just may be in whatever world you're trying to step into as a career that that is the attitude that you're received with and you have to be ready for that either to cover it up or to explain it or to justify it or to hide it or whatever that might be or to wear it proudly like Mm -hmm. but you have to understand that not everyone is going to come with the mindset that you came with in getting it where you're going right exactly and it and it is true like of the kids that my partner and I have, three are very light-skinned and mm-hmm. one is very moreno. Mm-hmm. And I think there is, well, not I think, there is going to be a difference mm-hmm. in how they would be received depending on who gets the tattoo. Sure. And there is that extra, I mean, I don't know, but I shouldn't say this as a blanket statement, but there was that extra layer when I told my mom about my very first tattoo. She's like, but in the Bible it says that you mm. are not supposed to mark your body. So there was that extra added Mm -hmm. layer on there. But for me, it was, I don't know, I kind of, the roots for me is like, well, once I came out, a lot of things came off the table as like stigma. Sure. I'm already damned. If you want to say that's damned, I'm damned. Right. Yeah. I'm already going to be on people's shit list because I don't, I'm not femme. I don't dress up in typical clothing mm-hmm. i am a lesbian like interesting tattoos are not going to be the ma- the br- deal breaker on this there's a whole hell, bunch of other gonna fucking be- shit that, that's going to be a deal breaker for them sure so tattoos for me are like eh, if yeah. that's what you're going to pick on me for congratulations because right. there's a whole other list of things that you could oh, stereotype put in a bucket whatever what was your first tattoo so the very first tattoo that i got and i actually snickered about this the other day when we were in the tattoo parlor with um with the twins getting the tattoo because it was kind of a funny memory for me. So when I got my first tattoo, I did wait until I was 18 mm-hmm. and I saved up my money. I actually looked around oh, wow. and interviewed tattoo artists mm, in the area. Of mm-hmm. course I did. And this was at the beginnings of the interwebs. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't Google. There was like fucking spider net or some shit where you, wow, you Spider-net. Something. It was, it was a web, uh-huh. whatever. Mm-hmm. Web crawler. It was oh, re- web, web crawler. crawler. Yeah. So I had done some searches for the kind of tattoo that I wanted. Long story short, in my brain, I, because I found a picture of someone who had this particular tattoo, I found their email address, and then I asked him if I could use, <laughs> <laughs> I swear to you, I asked this individual if mm. I could use this design for myself. Because God forbid people not be credited <laughs> for their work. Yeah, you should life. say under the tattoo it says, thank you, Mark, or whatever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, and, you know, I will say that this is, this doesn't excuse it, but this was long before people got the whole tribal tattoo across their arm kind of thing. Mm. But it's a tribal dragon. And of it's on my it inner is. thigh. Mm-hmm. And I put oh, it where cat. you couldn't, 
really see. Mm. And who that was couldn't? well, mm-hmm. only those who I wanted to see. <laughs> and then I joined Derby, and then you wear shorts oh, short yeah, enough where everybody damn saw it. Everybody named so it. So that was the mm-hmm. very first one I got. Yeah. And actually, that one was like the least painful of all the ones that I got. Wow. And then after that, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I told my mom, because I didn't really care what my father thought at the time. But I did tell my mom because I didn't, you know, I, I still wanted her to, like, not be disappointed. And I remember telling her we were pulling up into a, mm-hmm. a a gas station. And I was like, Mom, what would you think if I got a tattoo? She put it in park. She turned around, looked at me, and she said, you already got it, didn't you? You might as well just show it to me. <gasps> I happened to be wearing shorts. I showed it to her. Oh, God. And she was like, I got these. I live for that. Do you know who gets those? Bikers. Bikers and cholos. Bikers. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not in which bad one, company. Which one are you? <laughs> if you had to choose. I'm a chiker. I don't know. A bolo. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, so do you have any? I have one tattoo. Um, Dear Barbara, do not listen to this episode. No, so let me tell you about Dear Barbara. So, uh, first of all, I do want to have a disclaimer that my little sister had a billion tattoos before I ever got one, Mm -hmm. and still no one knows about them. Um, Number two, because she's (laughs) sneaky and amazing. Number two, um, the moment I had to tell my mother about my tattoo was a sad, sad moment in history. Uh, I was a teacher. Mm Mm-hmm had moved back home from Austin, um, was, went out to get coffee for some of my coworkers, because I'm cool like that, and I like to caffeinate people. Mm-hmm. My back had kind of already been hurting. Um, we were playing derby at the time, so like this wasn't an odd thing that everything hurts all the time. So I was kind of like, meh, my back hurts a little bit, right? Like my hip hurts, my back hurts, whatever, cool. So I go get coffee for coworkers, drive up into the parking lot, have the coffee on the floorboard of the passenger seat, park, reach over to grab the coffee. I don't know what happens, but whatever it is, I cannot move. Aye. Aye. Like, can't function, cannot get out of the car. Call inside the office and I'm like, hey, yeah, so I'm in my car. I'm at work, but I'm in my car and I can't get out. So the nurse, who I'm totally cool with, comes out and she's like, dude, what the hell did you do? I'm like, I have no idea. I reach over to get this coffee. I can't move. Like, it hurts so bad. Mm-hmm. Brings out the wheelchair. Because, like, every school has the wheelchair. Like, right. for the kid, the one kid that falls off the playground equipment or whatever. Mm-hmm. Brings out the wheelchair. Puts me in it. Gets me inside. I have to call my mom. Mm. At, like, 30-something years old. To come and get me. To take me to the doctor. Because I can't walk. Mm-hmm. So my mom gets there. We get in the car. It's this whole dramatic thing. And we're in the car. And I'm like realizing we're going to get to the doctor. You're going to need to get in a gown. Uh-huh. And my mom's going to see me naked for the first time in a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And I have a giant tattoo. A giant tattoo of a phoenix on my side. Mm-hmm. That I got on what should have been my 10th wedding anniversary but because my ex-husband was a dick um there was no anniversary (laughs) (laughs) so instead i uh 
took up the pain and got a, a phoenix tattooed on my ribs. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty giant. This was like a four-hour session Ooh. of a tattoo, right? So I was like, go big or go home. I'm not getting a tiny tramp stamp on my... Don't you judge me. Okay. But that wasn't my first or only tattoo. I was like, if, if I'm going to get a tattoo, this mm-hmm. is going to be it. And it's going to be big. And it's going to be on my ribs. And we're going to be done. Mm-hmm. I was all badass in that moment, and now I'm suddenly two years old with my mother in the nurse's office of an elementary school <laughs> at, like, 35. <laughs> so I'm like, Mom, um, I have to tell you something. She's like, what? I have a tattoo. I knew it. I knew it. I'm like, okay, first of all, you didn't know it. She's like, I know your sister has tattoos, too. I'm like, okay, well, she's the bad one. But, yes, I have a tattoo. <laughs> Remember that bus? I just threw you on. Yeah. Go, sister. Um, So obviously she sees it and she is, A, she's a mom. And I, she literally had to pick me up in a wheelchair from my place of work. So she is in extreme worry Mm -hmm. and fear and all the things as a mom. And also now she's, has a layer of shame attached (laughs) to this because (laughs) I have a giant tattoo. Um, so that's how I had to come out with the tattoo to my mom, but, and then she was fine and, and eventually I was fine and I had a slip disc and it was all, you know, lots of physical therapy and whatnot later. But, um, I was very intentional about that tattoo that I got because in that moment of my would have been 10th anniversary married and having been with this person since I was very young as a teenager and it was a very emotionally abusive relationship and just ended up very shitty and i was finally realizing i think some of these things Mm -hmm. which is a story for another day but it was a moment of catharsis and release of physical pain that had been emotional that i was able to finally just let be and it felt very yes super cliche with the phoenix but also like I can be born again. Like I, I, maybe I don't feel that there's a rebirth here, but I know it will be because I'm willing it. I'm willing it to be in this ink. I am willing that there will be a better day. So the Phoenix also has a tiny little heart in its beak, which to me was like, I don't feel this now, but someday I'm going to feel it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this hope that there would be feeling and emotion and love and the hope for even if it was friend love even if it was whatever but I had this foresight that there was going to be some kind of emotional revolution in my body at some point I love it when tattoos have stories to them that was my story I love it yeah not that I don't love tattoos and art that are just like I I got Harry Potter no that's great whatever but I love it when there is a backstory and I I try to have when I think about the kinds of tattoos that I want to continue adding, mm-hmm. I want them to have that backstory mm-hmm. so that they have immense meaning. And the tattoos, every single tattoo that I have, even my 18-year-old dragon tattoo has meaning. Like sure. every every single piece that I've put on. And I would never not want to get something, even though one night in in the heat of a, of a birthday party, we had convinced myself... <laughs> 50 million beers in that we should all get tattoos on the inside of our lip Mm, (laughs) it never came to fruition and that would have probably been the only one that 
the backstory wasn't it there was a backstory but it wasn't mm. like this is my growth no that would have been like 15 steps back in growth but sure we eventually did, as a group, get a tattoo. Twelve, that 12 was steps back, literally. <laughs> meaningful <laughs> for our derbiness yeah. um, in different places. I so. did I did vow. Mm-hmm. And because I will always be a person of integrity and of my word, I did vow. Because my tattoo's not colored in. I didn't want it colored in at the time. Mm-hmm. And I still go back and forth on, do I want it colored in? Do I not? Um, I vowed that if I ever had a needle put to my body again that one of the things added would say susias mm-hmm. because that was our derby legacy right like that was and that i will i have said and i will always say counseling saved my life and roller derby saved my soul if ink ever gets put on my body again i owe that to my soul to have susias put somewhere on my body it will probably be near my vagina because that feels appropriate. But whatever. <laughs> uh, I will. I. I will not go back on my word. I hope that I am in the tattoo parlor when you do. Yeah, I won't go back on my word. So that. So a group of us did get Susia tattooed yes. somewhere on yes. their selves, um, myself included, and that's one of the the tattoos that I am most happy about. Absolutely. That that is my derby side, and it has several pieces on there that are like derby related. That I'm like, derby did save my life. You Absolutely. saved my life in derby. No, so the, same. those are those are my pieces there, and yeah. whew, so it is a rite of passage on several levels for several people. But the, the reality, kind of circling back on it, it still does have, and it is very true. Like your stepson, if he got it, and and my stepkids. They're they're gonna have a different view of people who look at them and their and their tattoos, and it's yeah. not the same if you know you do it in a visible spot if if it's a neck tattoo on you versus a neck tattoo on your husband. Sure, like those are two diff- very different. Well, and things. I feel like now there's this like we see quote unquote successful people with neck or face tattoos. Like we see Post Malone and we see these influencers or other people that are in whatever terms we want to call it successful and i feel like younger generations feel like oh it's totally acceptable and it's okay and then you enter the workforce as you and i know it Mm -hmm. and oh no that's a different planet that is a different world particularly if you have other identities that you are accounting for such as queer black brown indigenous whatever it's a whole other level and it's not just okay even if as much as i want to say it's okay and as much as i want to say they're gonna see you for who you are mijo Mm, no they're not it i will say this that there it is getting to be like you said with more and more successful people there is a person on tiktok who is a judge i want to say in new york Mm. and she's a black woman Mm -hmm. a lesbian Mm mm-hmm has a neck tattoo, Love has it. hand tattoos. Mm-hmm. And if she were a judge in any court that I ended up in, I would be like, okay, someone, mm. not that not that the judging would be easier or they would let anything off or anything, but at least they understand a certain level of the individuals coming into their well, courtroom. There's a piece of you that can relate to what you see behind the bench. Yes. That and representation... If- is there for you. And if I see, mm-hmm. you know, older 
white, mm-hmm. uh, white-haired male, like, what part of them is going to sure. resonate? What part of my life is going to resonate with them? Sure. Like, are they ever going to be able to walk in my shoes? Mm-hmm. Where I think seeing someone of color who's also a lesbian who has tattoos and knows that when they walk it, and they don't hide them under their robe, like, mm-hmm. they don't put mm-hmm. anything up above their collar to hide their neck tattoo. They don't put gloves on to hide their sure. full-on hand tattoos. Sure. You know, they understand that they are looked and perceived differently. So I I for me that makes a difference like yeah. seeing that human Absolutely. being walk this world and what extra steps did that person have to go to to be in the position that they're in the way that they look being the person that they are to have credibility to have validation for being the name of justice mm-hmm. like there's so much behind the scenes that we don't see for that person to be sitting behind that bench and I'm not sure if, um, so there are some judgeships that are voted on. Sure. I don't know if this one is, but it would speak volumes if oh this gosh, one is. Yeah. And she continues yeah. to get voted into that position. That would be mm-hmm. awesome sauce. Obviously, having tattoos can be very stigmatized. Mm-hmm. And we talk about all the time in our work life and in our personal life. Um, there's stigma that comes with a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. One is obviously being a pocha and why we have this podcast. Right. But another huge one is the big, big, much focused upon, highly highlighted topic of abortion. Yes. So if you have been, and this is Arquea de Nuevo, because it is kind of new, right? Yeah. If you've been under a rock, if you haven't listened to, and if you choose to stay away from news, as it were, mm-hmm. um, and you've missed the big news, there was a leaked draft opinion, majority opinion, mm-hmm. from the Supreme Court justices mm-hmm. on which way they would be ruling on Roe v. Wade. So essentially overturning. Roe v. Wade, if you didn't already know, um, like if this is not something that you follow. Sure. absolutely, which is um, very plausible and God bless you. Absolutely. So Roe v. Wade was the court case in, in that was decided in 73, but mm-hmm. it actually took a long time to get to the Supreme Court level. But that essentially gave people who are pregnant the right to end their pregnancy the way that they needed to. So basically, the right to access abortion. Right. And they have been fighting, conservatives have been fighting year after year to try to chip away at this. And it looks like they're getting their, the, the end result that they want. And for you and I, this was like something that we knew. Like we saw it in the cards. We saw the way that the deck was going to get stacked with three mm-hmm. new justices, mm-hmm. um, with one case in particular that was going forward, the way that Texas had, had gone with SB8 and then other states decided to follow so what does this mean, Charlene? What what does it mean when we say like, oh, they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade? What does that mean for us? Lord have mercy. So right now, the United States has a federal protection that is based in the decision of Roe v. Wade that says pregnant people have the right to access abortion care. What a lot of people don't know is that wrapped into that decision is also the right to privacy Mm -hmm. and where that lends itself is the right for people to be with who they want to be with yeah so gay marriage yep is very much wrapped into roe v weed which is not always connected we're hearing a lot more of it now um but this is obviously something you and i have been talking about for five plus years well this is also something that you know as a queer person 
having had two huge Supreme Court cases Mm -hmm. in my life, one was the right to privacy in your bedroom to do as consenting adults what you want to do. Without being considered a felon or whatever else. Right. So that was Lawrence v. Texas. Yes. And um, that one was, yes, we, it's considered sodomy, but sodomy is always with the view of like, it's gay men who, no, sodomy means a whole lot more than that. And straight Mm -hmm. people, you're very welcome for overturning that one. Thank you. And the second one is um, the the marriage piece, which is not the be all end all of LGBTQ rights. Sure. But it is something that, you know, in looking at how LGBTQ people are and same sex uh, couples are viewed, giving marriage that like, quote unquote, legitimacy has legitimized aspects of relationships. Mm -hmm. So adoption, being able to not just get married, but hold hands in a restaurant, that kind of thing. Now, to be clear, this is not like across America. There are some spots where you still can't and get it and all of the Mm -hmm. things. But those pieces, among others, are built on a right to privacy. So you overturn this and people who are considered a quote-unquote minority, um, a minority um, community, their rights get chipped away. So while, for instance... I may never need access to abortion. I do need protection for the right to do as consenting adults in my bedroom, whatever, or in my house, whatever, right? Sure. I do for the protection of being able to, you know, in either inherit or have my partner inherit automatically, if I pass, need a marriage license. Mm-hmm. Those things are could be on the brink. And... And people might think like, oh, you are fucking flying off the handle on this, man. Like, that's not going to ever happen. (laughs) That's what they said in 2016 about Roe being dismantled or overturned. And here we are. Here we are. So it is not beyond. We are not granted or guaranteed shit is what this comes down to. And that is terrifying. And I, Kat, obviously cannot, because I am, as you say, the straightest person you've ever known in your entire life. This is true. Um... I can only empathize with the pieces of this that affect your life um, because I love you to pieces and you know you are my hermana and and you know that I love your partner as well and your family and what y'all have built. I cannot imagine the the fear and the uncertainty and all of it that comes with threats to Roe that involve so much more than abortion care mm-hmm. that people are not always connecting the dots to. Right. And we should have. <sighs> yeah. And it's not, it's, it's really not until it's like, um, it's almost as if white America has to be threatened before it's like, Oh, well gasp. Oh, clutch your pearls gasp. Always. And like, Oh shit. Always. You mean this is going to impact me? Yeah. We've been saying this for the longest time. Until it impacts the dominant culture, we as a society are not widely, quote unquote, aware and talking about and making our presence known about what's at stake. So you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it's um, it's sad and it's scary and it makes me angry that what is at stake here is not just 
what I have heard about for my entire lifetime as the debate about abortion care, but the question of who you as a human being that I love and admire are allowed to love. And that to me is just this whole other concept of what are we even talking about? What is really at risk? What is really the question? What is really at the heart of this decision by very few people who have been elected to this position to decide this for us all? Right, right. And the flip side is like in looking at it from a pocha perspective, I shouldn't say flip side, but in in addition to that, looking at it from the pocha perspective, we have seen over the past, yes, it's been recent history. It was what, like October, September of last year that Mexico's Supreme Court um, basically ruled that criminalizing abortion is illegal. Mm-hmm. So thusly, being able to get an abortion and have access to that in Mexico is is now uh, available. In Argentina, they have been fighting with their uh, green wave, or hold on, let me look at my notes. It's mm-hmm. called a Marea Verde. Mm-hmm. So they have been fighting for quite some time to be able to have access. And it took years for them to yes. get hit the streets. So we're seeing Latin American communities or Latina communities and Absolutely. countries around around the world are fighting tooth and nail for something that we are in the U.S. like going backwards on. Yep. And in the borderlands, Charlene, we are going to see a difference here in what that looks like. Absolutely. We are. So if you want to talk logistics, you and I live 40 minutes from an international airport where access from Texas, where bans are in full force and likely to be getting even more strict as Roe v. Wade is either overturned or completely dismantled in ways that we cannot imagine. People are going to be coming here for care and traveling this fluid borderland of goods and services and healthcare mm-hmm. that we have known our entire lives. People from all over the place that know nothing about our culture, that know nothing about our land, that know nothing about the strengths and the beauty and everything that we have to offer, but are strictly coming here out of desperation because they're being forced out of the places that they live to get basic health care. And we have probably not made, um, I don't know that we've made ourselves very clear as a podcast persona on how we feel about this, but if you don't know, now you know. Right. Uh, Here we are. So the other thing that's interesting, in addition to, yes, we live in a very interesting area where we border Mm -hmm. not just Texas, we also border Mexico, right? And so that means that, and I've seen some articles that speak clearly to this, some people from Texas or even outside of are heading all the way to Mexico to get the medication that they may need, right? Because there's, you know, access for the medication aspect of abortion care is getting more and more limited because Mm -hmm. you can't get it sent to your house. You have to go see a doctor 50 million or a provider 50 million times before they can prescribe it. Like all of these hoops that you have to jump through. Whereas in Mexico and Mexico, you can just go to a farmacia and just be like, the stuff and the things and thank you and here's the exchange of money and I'm going to go back. And it makes a difference because like in Texas, if you can only get access to abortion care up to six weeks and medication works up to 10 or 11 weeks, then you have a gap that you can have access to if you go right over the border. Which I know folks are like, oh my gosh, that's plenty of time to, let me tell you what, 
let me tell you what i am 40 blah 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 years old (laughs) (laughs) and a late period at this point can mean either i'm pregnant or in menopause and we don't know what the case is until we know what the case is right so like do not tell me that everybody just people that don't have periods have this assumption that it is like this specific tracked precise thing that is just not the case right for each and every person for each and every freaking person depending on your hormones depending on your medications depending on your medical conditions depending Depending on on weight your stress level depending on your weight depending on the environment you get to live in depending on what month it is i don't know depending depending on retrograde i don't know what the fuck but every time can be different and you don't know until you know And many, many, many times, and this is what I have learned as a human being, many, many, many times, you don't give a flying fuck about abortion until it means something to you or someone that you deeply love. Because I have loved and still love humans that have had abortions that if you would have asked me three days prior to that moment, I would have been like, oh, hell no, that's not, that's not what we believe in. Let me tell you what, mm-hmm. until it matters, it doesn't matter. Right. As a human who has been a survivor of a sexual assault, didn't matter till it mattered. And I will tell you that all day. So my opinion had to change because of what they call one of the exceptions, quote unquote, right? The rape incest or via or uh how would if it health of the life, mother yeah. right like the life of the mother if that's impacted then those are all of a sudden considerations why the fuck does that have to be the most violent outcome right. for us to consider that someone actually has a choice about what happens to their body and you're getting people system for two of those pieces you're getting people systems involved who yes for a lot of reasons right that we don't have to sit and and delineate we don't go to law Mm. enforcement no so what you're saying is now we are forced to make that choice yep that we may not feel safe to make for a variety of reasons to have to get systems involved and either if it's incest like have you know not that the individual should get away with it or anything but you are now forced to come to light something that could put you in your own unsafe place um and reporting a rape Mm -hmm. where as we know and have seen for decades the victim is always put on on the stand like well what were you wearing the burden of proof is upon yeah how short or long were your name like who the fuck cares but now you have to force people to be put in that situation where they when have to- you yourself are in a desperate position that is extraordinarily time sensitive so why would we do that to a human being who has been like that and that shouldn't be the justification for you being able to decide what is right for you and your body right it's easier to swallow for many people but that should not have to be the justification by which we are saying this is an okay decision because this should be okay regardless of how you got to the position where you are having to make this decision. I think 
it is um, people handle this in very different ways and that is not something that a government or anyone else can say is right or wrong for a human being like this is where you are what you have to deal with in that moment and that's just where that person is at and there are layers of stigma as you had mentioned oh, and there in, yeah. in the past couple of years in the in the work that I've been doing have had very frank and open conversations with people that would not have otherwise brought this absolutely this forward and I'm glad that they did open up. Um, I'm glad that they had someone to talk to. So in some instances, it was, I was never able to tell anyone before I met you. And it's like, wow, you've been carrying whatever, whatever shame and stigma the world has put on you about whatever decision you had to make. And you just had to carry that with you until now for X many years and just be frank about it and just seeing how and hearing how it has made a difference for individuals absolutely to me just reinforces no it is and huge. i'm not talking i'm not talking about like just random i'm talking about like our own gente who have been very forthcoming about being able to access and so this is an intersection an intersectional issue for pochas poches um yep. making that decision for themselves well because very often we're considered brown catholic religious it's obvious that we're going to be anti-abortion and when you get into these conversations of people who have had maybe it's one of the exceptions that we just talked about maybe it's just this is not what i want in my life right now and this is not what i'm going to do and it's okay maybe it's um there are so many complicating factors that we could not possibly go down every rabbit hole of every decision that every human who has chosen to have an abortion has to make and the point is we don't have to Mm. we do not have to it doesn't matter we all should have the autonomy to say what we want with our bodies and to someone again i as a person who has birthed another human for the love of god let me go into detail about <laughs> that experience for everyone someday um grab an edible oh my god it is so much it is so much and then it's not just a birth this is the responsibility physically mentally financially spiritually everything of another human being that if you are not ready to do for the love why would someone else who has absolutely nothing to do with your family or your being or your financial well-being have anything to say about it why would that be a thing and on top of it why would we expect that someone who knows nothing about your culture or your way of being give a shit about anything apart from their own personal and moral thought which Mm -hmm. granted there's value in that but once it's here and once it's a thing like 
and before it's a thing are you fighting for the parts that are sex education are you fighting for the parts that are contraception are you fighting for the parts that are subsidies are you fighting for the parts that are childcare? are you fighting for the parts that would help this person who is now forced to birth in your world where this is the right thing to do um, are able to thrive and survive and be great humans beyond this because that's not what i see no Uh, most of the time when i hear and to be honest i was raised and and have had subsequent conversations with my mom raised in a very catholic like abortion is the wrong thing right. signed this i remember i even remember my, uh, one of my theos giving me a, a postcard to like send to the pope that you don't agree with abortion right and i never sent it in because i had i felt a weird different way like something i, I felt something like i don't really care for it but like why does why is the church why is the church entering this arena? I, right. I don't know. Why is know. this a thing? So I have had subsequent conversations mm-hmm. being raised in that environment and have heard a variety of of opinions about it from the same family of which raised me mm-hmm. into originally being or, or on the path of, of which I obviously have swayed. So it, it's... Very interesting to see even within a Catholic, as you had mentioned, sure, Lat- Latina family, to see how those opinions have changed. And you and I are coming from very different points on this. Like, I am a Latina person of very quickly diminishing reproductive years <laughs> <laughs> that has birthed a human mm-hmm. that could potentially birth more humans. Um that has been straight their entire life that this was the expectation for you are coming from a very different perspective as a person who has not born children who will probably never bear children my god knock every piece of wood knock every piece of wood that this is not your will um and yet we can come to the same understanding that while this may not be our decision Mm -hmm. We cannot stand in the shoes of someone else, of another person who we cannot tell their life. I, I you don't know my life. I don't know their life. I thought I, uh, well, I, I've taken some pregnancy tests back in the day when I was pretending to be straight mm-hmm. on a couple of occasions. Sure. And I was deathly afraid oh, it is that I was going to end up pregnant. Yep. Not just one from my assault, but one from just sex. And I was like, I cannot. And Mm -hmm. I know that if I was, I probably would not. But I don't want to have. Because I know what that means. I've seen what that means for other humans who are young parents. And this does not mean that every young parent goes the same route. But I just could not for myself be pregnant. I did not, would not. That is just not. Listen. Every every story that you have told me every year about your pregnancy when the birthday of your daughter comes up 
that reinforces <laughs> how I don't want a, you know, 10 pound watermelon coming out of the cantaloupe entry, right? No. Like that to me does not sound fun. That Oh, it's not fun. Like the whole whatever eight to nine months with the whatever fucking goes on in there. Like, mm. no, not, that does not appeal to my ass. They lied to you the not, whole time. Not even if I was financially secure, not even if I had like the golden health care. Like that still doesn't sound like a good fucking time. Even if I had the money for investment vitro no thank you and all that to say there are people who would be pregnant 20 times mm, in their mm-hmm. life and by choice and love it every single time god bless and you know people. what none of it's our fucking business yep not a piece of it is our fucking business truth <sighs> you know Ooh. what is your business the pocha podcast every, twice a month every month <laughs> it's like a double period <laughs> <laughs> Oh, who's got their tampon ready? Let's go. Ooh. All right. So if people want to catch us uh, with more opinions or more um, dresses that look like, or pants that look like dresses that oh. we can see on Instagram, yes, where can they go? Please find us on Instagram at Pocha Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Um, we are sometimes on Twitter, but now... I don't know. Mm, that whole Elon Musk thing, and the then he's thing. like, I would let Trump back on. We're having the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but you can always look up the podcast in audio version on Podbean, which was our original platform. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can just, you know, like Google, tell like... Google, play uh, the podcast. Google, play the podcast. And, you know, you can get a bunch of podcasts. So we're all the places. There's no excuse. Um, we recently got a new excellent review, which we are very excited about. Yes. And we also found that someone left us a one-star review. So uh, that totally threw off the balance of the awesomeness that we are. So if you want to give us a five-star review, you know what? To offset, do the thing. I mean, it's retrograde. If you want to just like say fuck you to the universe, give us a five-star review. Exactly. Yeah. So this has been the Pocha Podcast, Episodio 38 for May. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. Still? Still? Well, okay then. And we'll see you on the flip side. Asthma. Blech.